All right, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Tubes Podcast. It is Tuesday, August the 8th, 2017, and today, uh, several topics to discuss, one of them being uh, our interview with Ole Miss head coach Andy Kennedy on the Marching to Madness podcast, and as I always do, uh, I will play that interview, it's an entirety, here on the Southeast Tubes Podcast a little later on. Uh, Before we get into that, uh, let's go ahead and discuss a couple of things, and as I put out on Twitter today, uh, taking your mailbag questions for uh, the episodes this week here on the podcast. And instead of we're going to do this a little different this time, instead of just doing them in one episode, I'm going to spread them out throughout the week. That way we keep some good discussion going and continue to get your questions in as we go throughout the week. So send them in whenever you like, and we will discuss them here. So let's go ahead and jump into one of the questions uh, that came in already, and that was from a regular uh, question asker here on the podcast, and that is at dmax33112 on Twitter. He says, keep hearing about Auburn's deep roster. How many players is Pearl going to try to play uh, this season? And, well, you know, that's what we've talked about a lot this offseason is talking about the depth on that Auburn roster. And, you know, someone asked me yesterday, uh, sent me a question, said, you know, where do you have Auburn slotted right now? And as I've said before, I mean, I think Auburn to me at this moment, and I've had them there for a while, Auburn is at number five for me because I do think when you talk about the overall depth and talent, Auburn is as talented and as deep as any team in the SEC. And yes, you know, that includes some of the teams, in, you know, in front of them in the rankings. They are that deep. And it's just a matter, again, of seeing how everything comes together on the defensive end of the floor. That's the big question mark. And I think until we see that uh, specifically against top-level competition, uh, it's hard to really know what you're going to get. But they will certainly be proved on that, uh, improved on that end of the floor. And when you talk about the depth here, how many guys could he play? I mean, look, just go down the roster. I mean, we know uh, the guys that are going to get minutes. I mean, there are a ton of guys coming back, as we know. I mean, their four leading scorers last year were freshmen. Those four guys are certainly all going to be in the mix. And then you think about the guys like Horace Spencer, who was out with an injury. He's going to find his way back into the mix. Don't forget about Bryce Brown, uh, one of the SEC's top three-point shooters. He's certainly going to be in there. Uh, the freshman group, Chumo Kiki, Davion Mitchell, uh, and then the transfers, Deshaun Murray, Malik Dunbar, uh, and then another guy last year I think that kind of got, you know, didn't get a ton of minutes in terms of maybe what the expectations were right away, but a guy I know they're kind of excited to see what he does in his sophomore year, and that's Anthony McLemore. Uh, another guy there. So Bruce Pearl's really got a lot of options with this roster, and as I've continued to say this offseason, that's what it comes down to. When you have options on your roster, when you have a lot of flexibility, versatility with where you can play different guys, uh, that gives you you know a, a really good problem to have, and I think that's what he has here in being able to possibly play 10, 11 guys. Now, you know, is he going to be able to do that the entire season? Who knows, because we always know there are going to be injuries uh, there are going to be situations where you kind of have to shorten your rotation a bit in certain situations. So, but he does have, you know, again, the good problem of that. He has a lot of options. And I think if all these guys kind of play up to their potential, uh, it's going to be hard to kind of shuffle so many different guys because, look, they're, they're probably going to have a chance to earn a lot of minutes. And uh, maybe it comes down to who plays the best defensively because we know, again, that's the biggest question mark with Auburn 
is going to be on the defensive end of the floor. So it'll be interesting to see how that progresses. And as well, just like you said, who who is going to continue uh, to really see all those minutes? Because you can only have five guys on the floor at one time. But, uh, boy, I think you'd rather have the kind of options that Pearl has uh, than no options at all. That is for sure because they can certainly go in a lot of different directions with this lineup uh, this upcoming season. So thanks, as always, for the question. Uh, really appreciate it. And then for the other question for today, uh, and that comes from our good friend Tony Patelis at College Hoop News. He asked thoughts on Ole Miss. Who steps up in the front court with Sebastian Saiz out of the picture? And obviously, Tony, I'm going to put that question here because we're about to play the interview with Ole Miss head coach Andy Kennedy. And, and you know, just to kind of discuss it before we go into the interview, I mean, look, they, they have some guys returning uh, Furman Avich's Hyman, those two guys are back, and they have some experience there. But the focus is going to probably be on the new guys that they're going to add to the mix. And that one is Dominic Olenichek, who is the seven-footer from Drake. Uh, certainly, you know, his time was limited there. You don't know a whole lot about him. He, he doesn't have that kind of experience yet. Uh, and he's not going to be able to be someone like Andy Kennedy talks about in the interview that's going to just replace Saiz by himself. That's not going to happen. Uh, but when you have a body like that, a big guy uh, that's seven feet tall, you're certainly going to be able to to change some things on both ends of the floor. Uh, Bruce Brown is another guy that I know they're very high on and hoping that he can add to that front court position. Uh, Brown is a very versatile four, you know, a JUCO All-American guy. Uh, he's someone I know they're really excited to see how he fits into the mix because I think he's really going to fit in well when you talk about all those guards, and we've talked about that a ton, just the depth at guard, and we're also going to talk about that here in the interview shortly. Uh, so so they have you know some options. I think that's certainly the most intriguing element to watch with this Ole Miss team is seeing how that progresses in the front court because if they get that kind of production in the front court from these new guys and, and mixing in with the guys that are returning, uh, Ole Miss is going to be a very hard team to beat because you know they have five, six guys in the backcourt that could seriously all challenge for a lot of minutes. And I think that's something uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to see how that plays out. So Ole Miss could be one of those teams that we've talked about it before, could be one of those sleeper-type teams. I think a lot of people are going to maybe overlook them going into the season uh, when you think about the overall depth of the SEC. But this is a very talented team, and it's certainly one, I think, that's going to be able to, to beat anyone in the SEC on any given night. So uh, let's go ahead and move into the interview we did with Andy Kennedy. And we did talk a lot about this roster, uh, just touched on really all the different dynamics, the new guys, the returners, kind of what he's seen thus far in their offseason workouts. Um, and then we also discussed, just as we have with a lot of people, just the depth of the SEC, how it's evolved since he's been there now as, as Andy Kennedy is the dean of SEC coaches and how he expects everything to kind of play out this upcoming season. So here's the interview with Ole Miss head coach, Andy Kennedy. All right, guys, welcome back to the Marching to Madness podcast, and we welcome in Ole Miss head coach, Andy Kennedy. And, Coach, just to start off with here, um, you know, one of the most recent bits of news is Sebastian Saiz uh, signing his rookie contract there with Real Madrid. Uh, just how, you know, you've talked a lot about just how special he was to that program. How rewarding is it to see something like that? Well, Sebus is a great kid, one of my favorite players that I've had in my tenure here, and I have no doubt that he's going to be very successful, not only as a professional basketball player, but just in life. Uh, great attitude, great approach, great spirit. He, he came here and really improved. He got better as a basketball player. When I first met him, he didn't speak a word of English, and 
you know, four years later, he, he's graduating and, uh, and having an opportunity to pursue his dreams in, in, in the basketball spectrum back in his home country with, you know, one of the most prominent names in all of sports in Real Madrid. Coach, uh, just talking about this offseason, I mean, just looking at the theme of your offseason workouts, you guys found some momentum last year in the postseason. You returned a lot of significant pieces from that team, add some new guys as well. What has just been your major points of emphasis with your team there this offseason? Well, you know, for us, we we are returning, as you said, Blake. We, we've got five of our top eight guys from a production standpoint returning, you know, led by – our, our two leading scorers in DeAndre Burnett, who will return as a senior, and Terrence Davis, who had a, a tremendous breakout season as a sophomore. Uh, and for us, you know, blending the, the returners back with the new guys, the great thing in our sport now, a few years ago, they started allowing us to have access to our kids in the in the summer. So we, we had a kid like Dominic Olenicek who sat out last year and went through some practice stuff with us. Uh, but was not put into a, a situation where now he's going to be dependent upon to produce. He's a seven-footer that sat out last year uh, as a transfer from Drake, who we expect to come in and, and have a major impact on, on next year's team, taking some of the, the burden that, that Sebus left by being a walking double-double, and we expect Dom to be able to come in and, and really fill a void for us at the basket. We we then picked up a, a post-grad transfer in Markel Crawford, a guy that, that had great success just up the road at Memphis, uh, and he's a guy that, that we really believe can garner all league votes for us this year. Uh, then you add a number of freshmen along with the, the junior college player of the year and, and Bruce Stevens. Uh, so it's been great to, to just, you know, get them all together on the court, start forming an identity as a team, start understanding the culture of work by which we have to exist in, in order to compete in the ultra-competitive SEC. Coach, we're looking at uh, a really nice trio, I guess, of potential starting guards with uh, you alluded to Burnett and Davis and now Bree and Tyree. How have these guys even developed more, I guess, individually and developed even more chemistry on a basketball court this offseason? Well, Ken, I, I'm glad you brought up Brian Tyree. Of all the guys, and I've said this a few weeks ago, of all the guys uh, that, that that we've really been impressed with over the summer and, and the approach and the work they put in, the, the, the guy that is at the forefront of that is Brian Tyree. Brian's a guy from New Jersey. Who, who we signed with, with an understanding of that he was going to come in here and have a chance to, to be a tremendous player his freshman year. Unfortunately for him, he tore his anterior cruciate um, in an all-star type capacity in April following his senior year. So as he's entering into his first summer of collegiate play and training, he wasn't able to do anything from a basketball standpoint with his teammates until almost November of last year. As a result, it really took him a number of months in order to regain uh, his game and his confidence and his explosiveness. And he really, you guys only saw a tip of the iceberg, uh, even though he had some huge games for us down the stretch. Uh, I remember vividly him going and, and going for 24 at, at the hump against Mississippi State and leading us to a road win. He had a huge game against a, a, a top-10-ranked Baylor team here. He was really good for us in, in our postseason wins at Monmouth and at Syracuse. And so he's a guy that now is back to uh, close to 100% physically, He's really taken on more of a, a leadership responsibility as now he understands the what it takes from a consistency standpoint to, to be the player that we need him to be. And then you've got a guy like DeAndre Burnett. The season ends and DeAndre's had two surgeries. Uh, he had his knee scoped. He was having some problems with his knee that he battled through all year. And then he tore a ligament in his thumb. 
if you guys remember, he, he kept it taped most of the year because it was nothing that we could do until we got to the end of the season from a stability standpoint. But he tore a ligament in his thumb, which really affected his uh, to dribble the ball with his left hand to catch. It was constantly something that was bothering him. So we so we got him healthy and whole. And here's a guy that got 17 a game for us in his first year in a rebel uniform. I've always said that, that you see the greatest improvement in guys typically between years one and two in the program. And even though Dre's a senior and a fifth-year senior, he's only been in our program a couple of years. So we really expect him to, to take that next step and be an, an all-league caliber player. Terrence Davis, it goes uh, without saying that, that without question, the most improved guy in the SEC, a guy that barely played at all as a freshman to a guy that was really our best player down the stretch, getting us about 15 and 5 and having some monster games. He's going into his junior year now, and I think he, he really has an understanding of what it takes to be su- successful uh, and be an all-league caliber player. And then you bring in a guy like Markel Crawford, who I alluded to in the opening, and, and we're really excited about uh, a young man named De- Devontae Shuler from Oak Hill Academy. He's a top 100-rated guy from a talent standpoint, maybe as talented as any guard we've ever had here. Uh, you look around, and, and when you've got good guards and you've got depth at guard, it gives you an opportunity to, to, to feel good about your potential leading into the season. Coach, I was just going to mention that depth at guard, uh, like you say, with Crawford and Shuler. And how about the international player, Elia Tartishnik? Yeah, you know, he's a guy that has not been on our campus yet because he just got done competing in the uh, under-20 European World Championships. He's a guy that at 18 years old played uh, a major role uh, in the, the Ukrainian national team. Now, you got to understand, this is the under-20, and he's only 18, so he's playing up two divisions which for him to even make that team speaks to his potential. He's a guy that, that we had a, a situation where we had a couple of kids not honor their letter of commitment that they had signed with us in November, uh, wanted to make a change. We allowed them to do so, and so we were really fortunate to pick up a guard, the quality of Ilya, uh, late in the spring signing period. My, my One of my assistants, Todd Abernathy, has has uh, has roots in the European community, and he was able to find this kid, and we convinced him to come and and pursue his his college uh, education as well as his basketball development here. And we're really excited to get him on campus in August. Coach, uh, you mentioned earlier just talking about replacing you know Sebastian Saez, and you add Olin Echek in there, who obviously set out last season. I mean, he's a seven footer, obviously a big guy. Are there just specific aspects of his skill set that you think maybe are just going to help the most in trying to kind of replace that production you lost there with Saez? You know, I can't. I, we can't be unrealistic and believe that Dom is going to come in and immediately, you know, get 15 and 11 like Sebus did. Sebus was a first-team All-SEC player and one of the most storied bigs in the history of our program. Um, so uh, here's a kid that that played a limited role on the Drake team as a freshman. Then he came and he sat out for us last year. So he does not have a lot of game experience, most especially at this level. But here's what he is: he's legitimately seven foot tall. He's about 255 pounds. He's got a 7'1 wingspan. He gives us a rim protector, uh, quite frankly, even better than what Sebus was able to do. Sebus was more skilled offensively. He, he got to where he could make three-pointers, and he was really good at that 15 or 16-foot range. Dom is more of a traditional 10-foot-and-in guy. He can stretch out to about 15 or 16 feet, but he's a big body, and he gives us a post presence at the rim. Uh, we feel like him and, and, and the addition of Bruce Stevens. Bruce Stevens is 6'8", about 255. He was the, the junior college uh, first-team All-American. He led Jones Junior College to the state championship and to a, a quarterfinal appearance at the national tournament. And 
he's unlike anybody I've had here in, in a little while in his ability to shoot the ball and stretch the defense. He's got a, a great touch out to the three-point line, and we feel like he's going to be a great complement to Dom as it relates to creating space on the perimeter. And then you bring in, you, you still bring back two other kids who played big roles for us in Eustace Fermanovichis and Marcanvis Hyman, two seniors that both played over 20 minutes a game and had their moments, and, and they're both have, have had tremendous off-seasons, most especially Mark Canvas leading into his senior year. Coach, here's a really nice stat on the Ole Miss website. Uh, the basketball program has averaged, and that's averaged, 21 wins per season in your tenure, but they only had three 21-win campaigns prior. How did the evolutionary process begin as you came in there? Uh, after all, you are the most tenured coach in the SEC, and how has it been able to escalate? Well, first and foremost, you know, we, we've had kids that have, 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 have truly believed in, in what we're trying to sell, and that is, you know, the, the things that you can control, let's really focus on those, and, and that's a mantra that we repeat daily, and that's energy, folks, and toughness. Make sure your energy is where it needs to be. Make sure we're locked in and laser-focused, and make sure that we display the physical and mental toughness that it takes in order to, to, to take a program and to, to move it forward, which I believe that we certainly have, and then to take that next step, which is our ultimate goal you know, I'm sitting here in the in the Tui Basketball Center, which is a, a great addition to our program, which came online in about 2010, and it allows us to do our job more efficiently. But it also provided for us a, an opportunity to recruit and bring in a, a caliber of student athlete, which is going to allow us to compete at the in the upper echelon of the SEC. That brought about the, the, the opening of the pavilion at Ole Miss. And I don't know if either of you guys have been in it, but it is uh, it is as nice a basketball facility as there is uh, in the Southeastern Conference and one of the nicest in the country. It, it creates an atmosphere that Rebel Nation has never had as it relates to basketball, and it gives our student-athletes everything they need to compete at the highest level. With those things now uh, online and, and a part of our program, we feel like our recruiting is going to another level. We feel like the expectation has grown, and that's something that we foster internally daily. We've had uh, we've had great success. We've, we're coming off six consecutive seasons of, of 500 or above play in, in the SEC, which has never happened in the history of this program, and and we're really excited about what this team can do in helping us take that next step. Coach, uh, finally, I know this is a question that's going to be asked about a lot until this season gets going. It's probably going to produce a lot of sleepless nights and talking about just the depth in the SEC this upcoming season. Like you said, Ken said, you know, you're the dean of SEC coaches. You've been there a while. Just how have you seen this league evolve, and do you kind of have the anticipation for this year that seemingly everybody else has just in terms of all the talent that's come into this league now? Yeah, I'm really excited about where the league is headed. I thought last year was a great step forward for us as a as a as a league and getting five teams in the NCAA tournament. You know, a South Carolina team that that was coached by by one of my brothers in the business and Frank Martin. Frank and I go way back. We worked together for a number of years, and he's a very close friend of mine. If you remember, we beat Frank in, in South Carolina on senior night here. He then goes and he plays in the SEC tournament, and in the first round he gets beat by Alabama. So they were limping into the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think they were 2-5 and five in their last seven in SEC play going into the NCAA tournament, and he makes a run to the Final Four, knocking off number one seed Duke along the way. It, it speaks to, again, that this is a team that finished fifth or sixth in our league, and here they are in the Final Four. Mike White, who, who was a great rebel of the past, worked here, played here. You know, Mike's, uh, Mike uh, gets Florida to the Elite Eight. 
Uh, I think, you know, a Vanderbilt team that last year got in with the most losses for an at-large team in the history of the tournament, and they get in solidly as an eight or nine seed. And if it not for a, a, a mental breakdown at the end of the game and fouling when they didn't need to, they would have probably advanced in the tournament. So we get five teams in the tournament. You know, us, uh, we came up a little short, but yet we still went and won two road games against the Monmouth team and against the Syracuse team who, uh, who don't, doesn't lose much in the Carrier Dome. I think it just speaks to the, to the quality of depth in our league. Uh, we've had some coaching change. You, you have a Missouri team that, that has not had a lot of success in the last few years. They bring in Conzo Martin. I'm very familiar with Conzo. He was at Tennessee, you know, a few years back. And he brings in the number one player in the country in Michael Porter, so immediately changes the dynamic of their program. Top to bottom, the league is going to be as good as it's ever been. I really believe that that uh, that going into conference play, as we approach the months of March, I believe the league is going to be in position to get six or seven or eight bids. Coach, uh, always enjoy catching up with you. I know both of us covering SEC basketball. We'll see a lot this year. Uh, so we'll talk to you again here in the near future. Hey, great. Thank you, guys. All right, that was Ole Miss head coach Andy Kennedy on the Marching to Madness podcast. Enjoyed catching up with him. And as I continue to say, we will always have our SEC-related interviews from that podcast here on the Southeast Hoops podcast as well. Uh, that way no one misses them, so uh, makes it easier on everyone. So I really enjoyed catching up with him, talking about that Ole Miss team heading into the upcoming season. And one other thing I wanted to touch on before we wrap up this episode, and that was Alabama uh, taking the court last night in Canada uh, to take on McGill University, and boy, the, the Crimson Tide. You know, it's easy to look, and, you know, you can look around on social media and everything, and certainly Alabama fans were very excited. And there were also those that said, well, you know, remember who they're playing, and it's a combination of both. Because, yes, we know who Alabama was playing. They were not playing a Kentucky, a Florida, uh, anyone like that. However, uh, it is still a basketball game, and you can still kind of pick and choose certain things from it that you learn about certain players, you know, rotations, whatever. Um, and, and certainly the biggest thing that stood out w- was, without a doubt, uh, John Petty, Colin Sexton, that freshman group, really were just kind of who we thought they were. And Petty goes 6 of 8 from 3. Uh, Sexton, you know, added a different element to the offense when we talking about the speed, getting the ball where it needs to go. And Alabama was knocking down open jump shots, specifically the freshman group, um, and that's something, like I mentioned, that is progress because last year uh, open jump shots were not always a given, and we talked about those those so many different scenarios where Alabama could go in scoring droughts and have so many minutes without scoring, and that hurt their ability to close out games and really be able to win more games than they did last year. But adding that element, and, and once again, it's one game, it's an exhibition game, it is what it is, but... The signs are clearly there that this freshman group, when we talk about Sexton, Petty, uh, you know, other guys as well, they they certainly have the potential to be impact players and really make this roster so dynamic. And remember, you know, they're playing without Dejon Ingram last night as well. So not even having him there, and really they were very impressive in shooting the ball and being able to score. Uh, I really thought that that really a lot of guys played well, and and certainly that's what you want to see in these kind of games. You just want to see the improvement uh, from years past, and I think we're seeing guys continue to develop. Daniel Giddens is someone we hadn't seen before. 
the Ohio State transfer finally got on the floor there, and you can just tell what his athleticism, his explosiveness could bring to the table there at Alabama this upcoming season. Uh, and just a matter of really continuing to build that consistency and getting him acclimated to the roster and rotation and all that kind of stuff uh, with what they want to do this year uh, within that Alabama program. So uh, it was interesting to watch Alabama, like I said, take it for what it is. It's one game. It's an exhibition. But uh, we can tell already that the pieces are in place for Alabama to be who we kind of think they're going to be this season, and that is a a top-level SEC team uh, with a chance to be a, a top 20, top 15 type of team once the season ends because they just have all the potential in the world and if they play defense like they've always played defense and we already see how offensively some of these new guys are going to really change the landscape there uh, there's a lot to like about this Alabama team so uh, everybody else continuing to play Auburn uh, Tennessee all those teams are overseas now as well Vanderbilt gearing up for theirs as well so uh, we'll continue to track uh, the SEC teams as we go throughout the summer here, especially the ones on these foreign trips. So uh, be sure to stay tuned for that. And thank you, as always, for listening to the Southeast Hoops podcast, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow.